You're listening to the one-on-one football podcast, the number one podcast for Aussie rules, training, coaching, and development tips. Welcome back to the one-on-one football podcast. My name's Harry Simmington, and alongside me in the virtual studio, as always, I've got former AFL player, the founder of one-on-one football, and my former coach, Andrew Rains. How are you, Rainsy? Going well, Harry. Going well, mate. It's been a, uh, a bit of a uh, long time off the podcast. Well, when we think of that, we usually release episodes sort of fortnightly and we're every couple of weeks and we've had a bit of a spell, which is good. And I think everyone needs a bit of a break. Um, so it's been a, been a nice bit of a, a break over the last sort of, you know, sort of four weeks, mate, over Christmas and um, and New Year, which is which has been good. How was, how was your break, mate? You, you uh, sharpen the axe, as I, I usually say. Yeah, it was a, it was a good one. Tried good um, a good mix of switching off and, and planning for the new year. I um anyone that, that knows me knows that I sort of played golf pretty much every day of the uh, of the holidays and ended up with uh, blisters all over my hands. So probably uh, learned a lesson in um in overloading myself there in terms of the golf. But um, what's, no, the, was what's a, the, uh, handicap now? Um, I've I've actually got an unofficial handicap because I normally just play nine holes and I think. I think you have to play 18. Um, so on the app that I use, my handicap's technically 11. Um, I got as low as nine, but I've had a few average um, a few average rounds, so back up into double digits. How about you, mate? You got a mate, I, um, I got a bit of advice when I had the birth of my first child, Xander, early last year, and um, a good mate of mine sort of rang me and congratulated me, and he, he did give me one bit of advice. He said, mate, those golf clubs um, in your garage, he said, they will be, if they're not already at the back of your shed, he said, at the back of the garage, he goes, they'll be entirely at the back of the garage. He said, you won't be able to see him. And he's pretty much right. I've got him out twice over the break and was fortunate enough to get a, a leave pass and, and play a bit of golf. Um, no, it's, it's a great game. Obviously, I'd love to play a bit more of, but um, yeah, had a hit twice. Uh, actually, big Jonathan Brown was up um, in Queensland and um, a good mate of mine and, and obviously former teammate and, um, and his brother-in-law so we, we had a bit of a hit over the break and then um, I got a, 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 a annual golf day that I'd catch up with um, all the guys I grew up with up on, on the Gold Coast so we had yeah, two hits mate um, and hitting him okay just a bit inconsistent and love to uh, yeah play a bit more but um, yeah if time permits it'd be good probably more of a uh, retiree sport I recommend it's one of those sports you need Yep. for yep. at least four to six hours um probably a bit more too to really focus on it but seems like uh you, you've been focused on that mate which is good so it's important for all our listeners i think they have other sports and other outlets and i think it's been um yeah really good over the, over the summer break and I, I think i've seen a lot of kids actually around and, and some of the kids that i coach and I always say to them too it's really important to have that outlet and and, and go and play a different mm. sport over the break and you know it's important as much as it to have the foot in your hand at all times um, I want to say all times a lot. Um, it's it is important to sort of break it up and have um, you know access to other sports and avenues to um, to let your head down a bit. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And mate, getting out twice when you got a a, a, a young a young son still a pretty good effort. That's probably something we haven't spoken about too much on the on the podcast. Your your son Xander he's um recently welcomed into the world. How's um how's how is life as a new dad? Going really well, mate. He's about eight, eight and a half months now, so he's um he's he's testing us with his um he's very active, so he's trying to climb and crawl. Um, he's crawling for He's trying to nearly walk now. So, um, very advanced young man. Um, got the Sharon in his hand, a little little uh, little toy Sharon. We we got him, and he's um, very nice. He's enjoying that. He's starting to throw that, which is really good. So, um, good hand-eye coordination. But now he's he's keeping his butt busy, and yeah, that's no, the best thing ever happened, mate. So we're um we're wrapped and obviously enjoying life as uh, as parents. 
Yeah, for sure. He might have to be the uh, the third generation of a father and son AFL player without without pigeonholing him, of course. Well, so, so no pressure, no pressure. So um, yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah, for sure. And um, keeping on the on the topic of um, of parents and um, and uh, I guess how to um, how to look after your kids and, and how to support them in in um, in their sport. We're, today's episode, we're going to um, discuss some of the questions that you get commonly um, from um, parents, but also players as well around this time of year. Um, and um, and yeah, hopefully, it sort of um, use your experiences as as a player and a coach to to answer the questions for the people that perhaps you don't um, see in person on a weekly basis. Um, I might um I might start things off, Rainsy, by um by asking you just as a, as a um, sort of a, a broad question um, that 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 um, we've sort of come up with that you get asked by by parents. What what type of training um, should footballers be doing um, leading into the season at, at this time of year? Yeah, it's a it's a good question, and again, something I sort of do get asked a lot, especially from parents and obviously players themselves um, about the training and what they should be doing. Um, it's becoming more known to me that a lot of uh, local junior clubs are starting back um, fairly early. Some clubs are starting back, you know, sort of, they like to take themselves very serious, which is great. Um, starting back maybe for my liking a bit too early, probably um, before Christmas, which I think club football and junior football is obviously a tiny bit early. But in saying that too, is um, if they haven't really got access to, um, you know, the training squads or, or even sort of something like one-on-one, what we do, um, you know, it's fair enough to start getting back into it. But um, a lot of clubs starting back now, sort of January, just once, once, twice a week and, and getting back into it. So obviously they've got access to their clubs and, and being able to, you know, fold the squad training. But individually over the break and, and times uh, throughout Christmas when, you, when you're on your own a fair bit or you only got a small group of um, mates around, it's really important to, again, I've, I've seen a couple of... Um, players down at the local football club down here on the Gold Coast and, and doing a lot of running, which is fantastic. Um, yep. It's just the balance between doing enough running and then doing enough skills. I'd argue that um, you can you can do a fair bit of running, um, but if you can't, again, if you can't execute your skills and decision-making, things like that, um, you can do as much running as you want, but it's obviously um, you know not going to help you if you, can't, if you can't get that right. So... Um, I've just picked up a few little things there, probably more ball in hand with, with some kids. I reckon they, they probably need to be doing a few more skills and drills and things like that. Again, it can be challenging um, if there's only one or two of you, but you know, mix things up, try um, you know different games, different ideas, different things with the footy um, to, to sort of make up and, and getting your hands hands on the ball at all times is, is really, really critical. But And then balancing that off with the running. Obviously, the running is really important. But actually, on that note of running, the actual running training too, I'm hearing a fair bit of, oh, you know, my son or, or daughter ran, um, you know, 10Ks the other day and, and they're super fit. Well, that's fine, but you probably hardly ever run 10Ks in a game, flat out, oh, sorry, non-stop. So a lot of interval training, um, you know, I just did a friend of mine uh, recently, did they ask for a bit of a running program? I gave them a running program, sort of something we used to do at AFL level, obviously broken down or, or filtered down a bit, but a lot of shorter running, some mid-tier running, sort of two, three, four hundred, things like that, that speed yep. endurance. That's a modern-day running. Um, I'm, yeah, again, I'm getting a bit of feedback from, which is great, and they're active and doing lots of stuff with that sort of, you know, five, six, seven, eight, up to 10K runs. Um, you know, th- there's a time and place for them, but definitely that shouldn't be your main sort of running session yeah i love that i think that's um that's that's really good advice and um one of the an interesting thing that um 
that I reckon is very important is not just the kilometers that you're running um and obviously the intensity is important as well but also what you're doing while you're running and if you are doing a skill session like you said before you can probably get enough running load by just going as hard as you can in that skill session you might you might be doing a kicking drill with two or three people and if you're actually applying yourself with intensity then you're going to be doing the little two meters up one meter back side shuffle all those different little types of movements that you're going to do on game day you're probably going to tick off a fair bit of high intense um, high intensity running load just from doing your skills drills with intensity but i, I guess um uh, not as a substitute to to the junk running I'm, I'm not a huge fan of junk running um and, and as you said that sort of seems to be the way that uh, that um, the advice is going these days is to, is to run your intervals run your explosive repeat sprints um but do you, do, you, do you think that that's something that you can get out of um, doing a skills drill or combining your, your your conditioning with your skills? Is that something you've had experience with? Yeah, and basic, basically, too, just to um, to you know get the footy and, and if you if you're in an oval, a football ground and oval, being able to just kick if it's in pairs or even three or four, move the ball up the ground and back, and then just get yep. creative too. You know, like sort of you know tick leads and and back 45 leads and letting up at the kicker and things like that. mix it up roll the ball on the ground set up a stoppage you know expire from a stoppage held ball you can get really mm. creative and i think it's on the players and the, the 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 kids that are actually doing it um to be able to you know get creative and do that and it's probably just identifying again i'll, I'll just notice a few things over the christmas break being down doing some sessions at um at the local footy club and and noticing a lot of running a lot of, a lot of running probably spending let's say they're down there for an hour um, and it's great, really fit, looking really fit. Some of the some of the boys I saw down there, but doing 45 minute, 40, 45 minutes of running and 10 minutes of skills. I'd nearly yeah. flip that around on the other side, especially when you're thinking in Victoria, South Australia, WA. Um, you know, they've got the footy in their hands all the time. Um, you know, probably a bit more advanced in their skills in somewhere like a, a Queensland or New South Wales, where developing states. I think the boys and girls should be doing a lot more skills um, and skills and drills when they're you know sort of training than and obviously just the, the good old running. So, again, just finding that balance, but I think um, a bit more tilted towards the skills. Yeah, I love that idea of being creative. I think um, probably the higher up you go in the representative system, the more pressure there gets um, or the more pressure there is on you to perform. And so I think naturally a lot of the creativity, think about like, you know, when you're, when you're a kid and you're just playing at your local under-12s team and you're having the time of your life, you're trying different types of kicks, you're messing around, you're, you know, you're probably failing 70% of the time, but you're getting creative and you're trying new skills and drills and challenging yourself. I think it's important that as you go up the levels of whether it's representative footy or as you get older, it's important to keep that play aspect and then, like you said, that creativity in your training. Um, is that something that you've, or as a player actually, did, did you find that the the longer you got in your career, the more it became about process and the, and the less sort of play you, you, you were able to have um, with your training? Yeah, that play element's obviously really critical. I think even at a young age, to be able to sort of implement that into drills and things like that, it's probably a whole other topic. But yeah, mm-hmm. definitely as, as the years go on, trying to find different ways to um, to sort of stay motivated and stay involved and, and actually get the fun element out of it. And you can do both, which is really important. The other thing too, back to our previous um, sort of just topic or um, question before around sort of the running stuff and again it's linked to sort of what you're just saying then but I think the importance and I hear it's probably your, your I think I know where you're going with your next question or two and I'll probably get brought up at the time trials and I think because there's so much pressure on time trials that I think a lot of these 
you know, academies, red teams, you know, obviously they said in the AFL when they go back, what's the first thing they do? They do a two-k time trial, three-k time trial, whatever it is. So the kids, the juniors, I should say, they're practicing the running more because they're worried about what they're going to come back at. And that's great, how they're going to run their time. And if they fail, they do not a good time, then they're obviously going to be caught out by the end of the work. But because yeah. there's no football test... I'd argue that there is a football test and it comes up when there's squad selection in a couple of weeks' time after that two-card yeah. time trial. Um, that should be the real element of focus. So if you had a yep. footy test to come back in or, or something like that, I reckon they'd be doing more focus on their skills and, and, and probably the footy's out a bit more. So I just think there's a huge focus on the, the, the time trials these days and hence why people just feel like they need to go and run and, and run and run and run. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think when there's a number or a, um, a score associated with a test like the 2K time trial or the beep test or whatever whatever the, the, the team's using, mm. then that is sort of, um, it's something measurable and it's something that, um, that you can't sort of hide at. And maybe that's why um, the players are so obsessed with it. It, it. As a coach, how could you design your system so that, like you said, there, um, there, there is a football test that is maybe measurable or is, is there a way that we can shift the or that, that coaches could help footballers shift the focus from something like a 2k time trial into something that's going to encourage them to, to work on their skills and, and really push that to the same level they might as a 2k time trial yeah it could be something like a little scratch game or a, a little kicking test or something like that goal kicking test yep. whatever it is it could be some, something like that like a um you could get x amount of um kicks in x amount of time there's ways to mix it up a bit i think i don't think i'll put in a you know, a set sort of kicking test or, uh, sorry, a skills test as such, obviously. And you do need the time trial, no doubting about it. It's just trying to obviously shift that focus a bit. And, again, maybe more of a reminder too that, you know, game's around the corner and we are picking a squad. And, again, this is yep. more probably for talent and, um, and representative football. Yeah, for sure. And so if there, let's say you, um, there's a player that's just come back from the preseason, um, they've done their 2K time trial and they're wondering what else the coaches are looking for um like you say whether it's for squad selection or um selection into position what are what are some of those key attributes that um early in the preseason when you're taking a squad from uh, maybe a, a squad of 60 down to a squad of 40 what are the real key attributes the non-negotiables that um that selectors or coaches are looking for this time of year oh, i think being su- super clean is a big one obviously being able to you know make the right decisions by hand and foot um which yep. is effectiveness um and then sorry execution and decision making but then it's just been super clean with the football, whether it's in the hands, one touch on the ground, wherever it is. Um, and then also, yeah. too, is you know, your game sense, being able to sort of know where to find the footy. As much as uh, coaches do say it's not about how many times you do get the footy, well, you know, sometimes it is, especially at a junior level where you're trying to prove your spot. Um, you know, you find the footy up to 30 times, um, it's a lot more than a lot of other people. So that's yeah. another sort of reminder of being able to sort of find the footy and, and focus on, on that sort of game sense stuff. So, yeah, and the one you can see that stands out straight away when you start playing your first few trials or um, intra-club games and things like the ones that, you know, can just find the footy. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, for selection, and um, and, and that's, that's more of a football side, but in terms of leadership, what... Um, I, I, I've probably played in teams where um, other players and myself as well have probably sort of set out at the start of the preseason with the hope of being in the leadership team or um, or captain of a side and that's sort of manifested itself in just talking for the sake of talking and mm. like just being excessively loud on the track as opposed to, um, I don't know, maybe leading by example. But it, it, say you are a player and you, and, and you are, that's something that you, that's a position you want to hold within the team. What... Um, 
what's something that would show genuine leadership to you as a representative coach or, um, or, or just the coach of a team? What's something genuine other than just sort of chirping and trying to be the loudest player that you can be? Oh, I'd have to be the actions and the way they train. You know, you sort of said the better trainers are usually the better players and those better players are usually in your leadership group. And I think that, mm. um, you know, focusing on that would be a, a huge actionable, um, you know, moving into the, the new season, being able to sort of be the one that gets out there early, does the extras, is last to leave the track, um, you know, is, is also too as a coach, you notice the ones that are actually really positive with their energy. So it might not be barking orders yeah. or, or speaking in every break, but you might actually look at a certain drill or whatever and you actually see them encouraging other players and thinking yep. outside themselves. Again, it's a really hard one at junior level to, to you know, to really focus on leadership because, um, you know, they're trying to obviously um, improve their own game, but then, you know, you can see those natural leaders that do shine through. And there's different types of leaders, and again, you will get people that mm-hmm. lay out. I think that you do need to a voice, and, and especially junior football, sometimes it can be quite quiet um, within yep. a group, so it does help when you do have a, a person that does use a voice. But, yeah, just those actionables um, in terms of, you know, leading the way on the track. Yeah, absolutely. And um, in terms of off-field development um, or call it, studying football um i guess in season there's a lot of sort of game review and um and review of your performance and sort of preparation for next week and you end up watching a lot of vision especially if you are in one of those rep teams like we've been talking about um do you think early early in the season so um, what are we now january um, getting toward feb is it is it worth going over running patterns and 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 studying football at this point of year or is that something that you would encourage players to leave until they've sort of got that match experience week in week out yeah if they can if they've got access to any video or vision or things like that, i think that's um valuable being able to learn and study the game i think i've probably had conversations with you in the past um, when i was coaching and you would have heard me talk about you know being a, a student of the game and watching as much footy as you can again especially in developing states like new south wales and queensland i think we don't watch enough footy i think there's too many other distractions especially somewhere like queensland where there's you know 30 degree days quite regularly and you're down at the beach or there's distractions and things like that going on and so many other things to do um and again it's not ingrained in the culture i think um you know, you can go away from not watching enough footy. Um, but when you're, you know, living and breathing and it's in your face all the time, I think you're, you're going to, and that's hence why probably the, you know, those players in the southern states are, are so well equipped with their, their footy IQ and and, um, and the way they, they their game sense. So as much football as you can watch, um, the better. Again, it doesn't really matter what time of year it is, but obviously during the football season too, you're going to get access to a lot more of that, you know, watching live games or, <clears throat> or watching... Um, you know, replays and things like that. So, again, you yep. can start um, now, which would be a really good one, especially if you need to tidy up a bit of your games and stuff and, and learning how to sort of play. Yeah, I reckon we take that take um, sort of take that for granted a little bit, the the actual development that you get just from watching your idols, for example. And, and, and I remember back in, the, back in the day, 10 years old, kicking around the backyard at halftime, you go out and imitate your favourite player halfway through the game that you've just been watching. And I reckon we can, we can learn not just... Um, not just skills and um, and game sense, but also like competitive instincts just from watching players. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's a we we talk about gaining the edge on your opponent on this podcast quite a lot. And maybe at this time of year when when most people aren't watching footy, there's no footy on TV. Maybe sourcing something like that is a is a way that you can gain the edge and continue that um, that input of um, of 
observing um, the very best in, in in the league at, at the professional level. Yeah, I think, and there's also replays you can access online and things like. But yeah. also, too, we forgot the AFLW is obviously in, in action now. So for our girls out there, and even boys, to to watch them watch the um, Suns Richmond game yesterday, and um, it was really interesting to see the girls. Yeah, come come by a good friend, Cardi Brennan. Uh, saw yep. her running around. So um, you know, sort of. The uh, you know watching some of the stars like Cardi in the game, I think for the girls is is really good, and, and now they've got access to more games, um, you know, per year with the, with the women. So there's some obviously some good games at the moment. Again, watching as much foot as you can leading into the season. Yeah, for sure, and I think in season there's a there's a big focus on recovery, and and obviously you're you're playing a game and you need to get yourself right for the next week. And I guess the 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 girls are in that um, period at the moment, um, mid season. Um, do do you think that there's enough focus on recovery in the off season? I mean, if you're in a representative system or something, of course there is. You've you've got staff that are dedicated to that. But um, maybe at your club team, it, do you think recovery is something that we often overlook in the preseason and, and probably only gets a um, gets the spotlight when we start playing matches? Yes and no. I think um, it's a it's a fine line again. I think in terms of what recovery and and you talk about mm. for like junk running. I think there is not junk recovery, but again, any recovery is good, especially water based things. Like that. But I think I think I've seen a bit of a trend too. A lot of the recovery places there are that kids have got access to these days, which is great, and the ice bars and all that sort of stuff. Well, I'll give you a little percentage, which is good, which is good, and you're always looking for a percentage. But I'd rather see them do, you know, sort of the um, mindfulness movement stuff that we've got available online. Mm. Um, you know, where where it's more flexibility, actually sitting there. The amount of times I see kids that actually can't touch their toes is <laughs> is quite frightening, actually. So um, and can't yeah. squat to their, you know, sort of bum to floor type of thing. So. That sort of stuff, I reckon, is imperative for um, not only recovery but development too. So, as yep. much as you know, players can start doing that sort of stuff. I'd rather see you know a thirty-minute yoga session. Again, it doesn't have to be yoga, yeah. breathing in, breathing out type of stuff. Because um, sometimes, sometimes younger players can get a bit sort of um, bored of that sort of things. But it's again finding a way to to motivate yourself to be able to do that. Whether it's you know sitting in front of the TV and a as you said, in the summer, watching the cricket, whatever it is, you know, get out the, the, the roller and start doing some stretching and things like that. That's a recovery yep. thing's imperative. Um, ice bars, going to the beach is great, uh, but I think it's it's very sort of, um, yeah, that remedial stuff, it's fine, but I think, you know, actually getting in and, and rolling the sleeves up and doing something a bit more active and, and that's going to develop a bit more, I think, in the recovery space is, is really important. I love that. I think often we get caught in, we think of recovery as the short term. We think of recovery as in, I'm sore now. I don't want to be sore tomorrow. What can I do to get myself there? But I think that's a mindset that's almost treating the symptoms, not the cause. So you like, I'm, I'm a big fan of obviously movement quality and, and look at how you're moving to try and reduce injuries. But it, it could be something like, like you said before, mobility. If if you're always getting sore, let's say you, you might be a lower back without generalizing on an injury if you're sore in one area it's probably it's yes absolutely you want to you want to recover and make sure that you're ready to go for the next session you're not sore when you're at the next session but i think also taking a step back and looking at the long term and saying why am i getting sore is it due to a weakness is it due to a movement inefficiency is it due to a lack of mobility and then instead of just like you said doing the ice bath or or something that's going to be a short-term treatment of the symptoms is there a way that i can strengthen myself improve my mobility um and like you mentioned we've got the mindful movement program and and could you reach out to some to an expert that, that might be able to help you 
prevent that soreness from coming in the first place over the long term it's a no matter what level football you're playing it's a it's a career it's not um yeah i think i think opening the vision from just the short-term symptoms can be really beneficial for, for long-term recovery. I think, you, I think you just summed it up perfectly, mate, this whole discussion is around actually, you know, seeking outside, like probably seeking assistance outside what you're actually currently doing um, yep. and finding yep. an expert in that field. So if we go back to the running, okay, well, am I doing the right running program here? I think I am because I'm running 10K, that 10K session or 5K, so whatever it is. You're yep. actually probably not. So find an expert who can help in that, okay, whether – Again, my background um, isn't probably in uh, in strength conditioning. The same time too is I've done those programs. I know what works. Um, so finding a coach who can help that, whether it's a running coach or your your footy coach. Skills. What am I doing with the skills? Well, again, you're not with your use one on one, for example. You're not with your one on one coach every day. Okay, I suspect to them going. Okay, what can I do? Or your local coach or your rep coach and going. What can I do actually when I'm going down there? the you know on the weekend with a mate um and having a kick what actually can i do instead of just as you said calling it junk time junk skills junk running junk recovery and then recovery can i i've got a problem my hip it keeps getting sore after um session well sort of just jump in the ice bars or go in the beach and things like thinking that you can obviously do it yourself get that expert okay is it going to see a you know a movement specialist or a, an osteo chiro physio whatever it is um to to sort of help in that in that area and again Getting back to um, getting back to being a professional is having those the people in your corner or the people in your team that are yeah. experts in the field. I think that's the important thing. Again, it's access and, and resource and understand that, and, and obviously financial things come into it too, so it can get expensive. But um, you'd rather know you're doing the right thing than obviously just going about your business and, and you're looking down the track and you've you haven't really um, you know, progressed or got that far with your program because um, you know you haven't had that right sort of um, advice along the way. That's gold. I think that what you what you said then about what can I do? I think that's a really important attitude for any athlete to have. You, you, I think um, this is probably something that I found early in my junior career was that I thought that as I progressed, the best possible people would just be provided to me, whether it's by the club or the or the rep team. And if I didn't make a team, I'd still I was sort of delusional about the fact that I would still have everyone with my best interests at heart and don't get me wrong there's some excellent coaches out there and excellent um staff that will have your best interests at heart but i think a real weapon and um when i think about this uh, i'm reminded of um katie obviously katie brennan but also took miller and, and these sorts of professionals that if something's not right whether it's my kicking's not improving or i keep having this same issue with my hip or with my foot or whatever it is i think it's a weapon to be able to say something's not right and then really go and try and hunt down a resource to help yourself because at the end of the day, no one's going to be as invested in your career as you are. And I think if you just sort of flow through the system doing what's given to you, then you're never going to, I mean, it, every everybody's different, right? So what might work for 90% of the team might not work for you. And that's there's nothing wrong with that, but you've got to, I think no one's going to sort of get on the front foot for you. I think that's something you've got to do yourself as an athlete. And the more you can question people and, and find an expert and then, and then find the solution that works for you and try new programs i think that's a real superpower for any athlete to have to be able to sort of take things into their own hands is, is that something that you came across throughout your career with other players and, and yourself absolutely and just sort of 
reiterating that point about um, you know sort of going over and above, and I think um, yep. it was early days of my career, and I forget might have probably was at Richmond young, it sort of hit home. Was if you rock up and do the program that the, the coach gives you, the strength conditioning coach gives you, and again if you let's let's make this relevant to younger generation, if you go to the academy program or rep program, yep. and you give do just the bare minimum, just just exactly what they just give you. How are you gonna be the best player possible? Okay, you got to go over and above, and you got to go and seek that um, help that you're, you're deficient in, or you're actually going okay, and that's your weapon, and you really want to work on it and so like that. If you if you just do the bare minimum and you rock in, a bit, a bit like working a, a job, so just do the nine to five and the bare and the bare minimum. Okay, you won't you won't get there, and you won't um, you know sort of outperform your, your competitors or your yeah. own teammates. So. That's the attitude I'll be having going into this season. It's probably a good note going into this new season that trying to find those experts that can help you in a particular area, um, whether it's a mentor, whether it's a specialist um, who's offering the services. Um, you're right. I think it's just reiterating that point about going you know, over and above and, and individualising because, again, the team program will give you the team and that's fine and you need to be able to operate yep. in that team and know um, what your role is and things like that. But then allowing yourself as an individual to get better um, and better yourself. And again, unfortunately, they can't cater for 40 people, um, yep. coaches. So that's why you got to go out and seek it yourself and, and get better. Yeah. And, and and coaches want to work with, I, I, I might ask you to, to back me up on this one, but I think coaches really want to work with the players that are self-motivated. They don't want to, they're not going to, they're not going to, say no if you if you come up to a coach after training session and, and ask for extra training and yeah. ask for extra feedback and ask for extras i, I think there that's gonna that's only gonna motivate the coach even more to work with you and, and actually help you out and then like you said before you're gonna have them in your corner but i think i know as a player sort of went through thinking that you know maybe maybe it's, it's not fair to ask the coach for extra work on me when he's got to look after the he or she's got to look after the whole team but at the end of the day coaches want to work with those mm. players that are motivated so that's a really good way to show them where you're at with your mindset your motivation levels and then you know it, it, it might just be it might start with 10 minutes after training but it, it could eventually you know, eventually you could end up having a really close relationship with one of your coaches and and and, and they end up vouching for you to a recruiter or they, there could be so many different um results out of out of just showing that your coaches that you are self-motivated and um and really sort of getting their buy-in with you as well well yeah the, what's the old saying squeaky wheel gets the oil so that's it that's, that's, that's it sort of the uh the underlying uh thing message in that one be a squeaky wheel mm. now Ramsey, um obviously we want the off season to go perfect and a lot of players are going to come back from the christmas break in 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 great nick they're going to be running good times their skills are going to be up their competitive instincts are through the roof they're ready to go for a big year but obviously for a variety of reasons it might be might be um, injury it might be family it might be travel whatever's happened often players don't come back in the very best nick that they could be um if if you are a player in that in that boat and you're watching other players run around in in, in the best shape of their life and um and playing their best footy how can you approach this next couple of months to um ensure that you are playing your best footy when it really matters later in the season um do you have any tips for um, maybe injured players coming back from their Christmas break? Yeah, it's an interesting one because, again, I think the more miles in your legs as such, not just running but football, more to, let's say more hours spent on the track over summer, 
Yep. Again, anecdotally, um, I don't know if they've ever, ever done a stat or a, they probably would have um, footy cops knowing them. But, that, yeah, the ones that put in, you know, the majority consistency over pre-season will have a better year. Now, yep. that's not to say, again, unfortunately, there's some injured players over the summer or they've had a little hiccup along the way. They can't still, that's not your year gone. You're just going to have to try and make it up in different ways. And, again, trying to find that balance yep. of, of your workload and things like that. So you're going to have to be super diligent now to round one, whatever that is in your season, to be able to get back on track, okay? So if you're a bit behind, that's fine. It's a new year. Um, It's better to be injured now than during the middle of the season and getting back up just to a level where you can compete. You might not be flying round one, but if you can get yourself back there or if it's round four, whatever it is, getting yourself back to to the level and then being able to reassess after that and then build your year from there, I think it's really important. Again, break it break it up in blocks a bit. Don't try and do everything at once and try and get back, and then you end up breaking down again. So just trying to find that sort of balance. Yep. So and and you said so it's important to be super diligent. What does that look like? What are the actionables? What are what um what are some real um, actions that someone could take? What does that look like? Being super diligent to to get yourself right. Well, it's just those little habits. I think we've discussed them before. Whether you're waking up an extra twenty minutes before school, or uni, or whatever it is, and work and, and you're doing a you know if it's, it's if it's your body that's holding you back to issue well yeah do that flexibility session of mindfulness movement or whatever it is 20 minutes um before you you know sort of usually if you wake up at 6 30 wake up at 6 you know do those sort of things that you know obviously help you um whether it's yep. now and then getting with once you're on the training track whether it's another 20 minutes after post that you may have missed over the pre-season you know tick that off and start getting your hours up and things like that and ticking, yep. ticking, uh, ticking the boxes as you go. I think that will help you. And not only will it help you physically, mentally, it help you knowing that you're putting the work and, and you're getting to yeah. a, a level where you're starting to, you know, um, well, the old saying, a few old sayings here today, mate. But um, yeah, put the petrol <laughs> tickets in the car so you're filling up yep. and you're getting those tickets and you, you're putting it towards something. Yeah, for sure. And, and speaking of fuel, w- when it comes to doing extras and, and looking for something that you really can perfect regardless of whether you're injured or um i don't want to say perfect but um something that you really can work on regardless is your nutrition and i think a lot of the time um nutrition as an athlete is um it, it is taken as making sure that you either have enough muscle mass or you're lean enough or um they seem to be the main focuses for nutrition but we forget that nutrition is actually fuel some of the time and i think Obviously, you'd have a really good insight to this um, with your wife Elise, obviously working um, working in the nutrition space. But what what are the um, what are some of the most important things do you think for a footballer when it comes to nutrition? Is it is it as simple as trying to maintain um, some kind of body composition, or is, or is there a is there a greater purpose to, to really working on your nutrition? Well, again, it's all about your goals, isn't it? And I think the, another the perfect example of nutrition is that. Um, not one size fits all, okay? So everyone's different. Everyone's got yeah. their different goals and outcomes. So what actually is that? And then again, back to that point, is if you think you're, uh, you, oh, again, I've, I've met a lot of people, yeah, I eat well, I eat healthy, and then you go around to the house or you see them bring in something to the footy club or whatever, and it's it's uh, it's nowhere up to standard. And you're like, you thought you were doing the right thing. Again, back to that running program, back to that skills program, back to that recovery program. They thought they were doing the right thing, which is fine. And everyone's guilty of that. But what have yeah. you actually done to actually seek out expert advice in that field to be able to help you? Yeah. Again, and I know my wife works in that, that sort of space, but and she always says too, everyone's different. Everyone's got so many 
you know, um, complexities within their body and everyone's different, that something that might work for me is not going to work for you, Harry. So that's yep. that's probably the underlying message there. Again, get all your um, get all your stuff sorted. Uh, get all those sort of key key uh, KPIs that you want to improve in um, and, and try and find an expert in that area to sort of assist you with. So, again, yeah, generally speaking, obviously diet's really important um, and, and the recovery aspect of that and fueling and all that sort of stuff too. But um, you might think you're doing the right thing, but you're eating absolute rubbish and, and, and you need assistance in that area that's going to help you better, then, you know, go and seek that advice. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sort of um, to continue on to what we were saying before, it, just because... I think for me as well, it took a few times for me to find some kind of um, eating habits that really worked for me, and it's not—it's not going to be the first eating habit no. that you choose. That's 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 hardly ever going to be the, the best one for yeah. you. So, like, and I'm sure at least say the same. Like, go and speak to an expert, and if it's not for you and that and that doesn't work, don't be afraid to find someone else and and really like um, explore the different possibilities. Because once you find something that works for you. Yeah. A lot of the time, it'll work for it'll work for a very long time. Yeah. But it, you don't have to, I guess, pigeonhole yourself to um, whatever the the, the first um, eating habit is that you that you research. Is that fair enough? Yeah, absolutely. It's, you got you got to look at the relationship too. Again, a lot of people, um, you know, look at the relationship with food or diet, and they think it's eating a salad or something like that, and it's not. So, yep. Um, yep. or I don't like it. They, they sort of get a bit confused. Of, you know, I don't like that vegetable. Going to make me eat that vegetable? No, it's not like that at all. Okay, it's actually yep. fine tuned to what you're, um, what you should be eating, or what you should be filling your body with, and and then working within that. And again, nothing's um, always set, so it's always changing, and, and you can be adaptable with things like that. So um, yeah, that that's a big thing with the diet recovery point of view thing, mate. So again, back yep. to probably the the theme of this uh, episode is just getting the right people in the right corner and the experts in those fields um, and seeking the advice and doing it properly. Because um, you get two yeah. or three years down the track and you, you're trying to do everything um, yourself and, and you realise you, you're probably not right on the right, right track or, or the track that you should be um, progressing um, further with. Yep, yep. And, and mate, before we move into our next topic, I just want to ask, are there any clear common mistakes that you find with players at this time of year? Is there anything that jumps out at you as something that you see repeated year on year that's maybe a, um, a, a misinterpretation or, or, or like a um, some kind of habit that you think happens way too much in, in, in football at this time of year? Um, probably from a professional level, I think in the AFL, everyone's, everyone feels great. I think, again, we probably have touched it on this podcast or website before, but everyone's feeling good. There's no games on the weekend. Um, again, it's, it's hot yep. in most places yep. in Australia. Everyone's got a tan. Everyone's feeling good. Um, there's, there's some really feel good, you know, the press isn't really coming after football clubs this time of year. There's no pressure on the coach. So everything's really rosy. I mean, it's bloody hard. You, you're training really, yeah. really hard. But everyone feels good. Everyone's fit. Uh, there's no 22 getting selected every week. There's obviously murmuring. Murmur, uh, sorry, there's, um, you know, whispers and things like that around um, who, who could be in the starting lineup. But it's not set in stone yet. So everyone's pretty positive. So that's probably the big one and I used to sort of get when I was in the middle part of my career to, to later part of the year and, and you know, things would get talked up and I if I wasn't, you know, so let's say I did have that injury in the preseason, whatever it was, I knew that come you know, the games it, it'd take care of itself because I had the experience, um, and and the resilience that comes with that. So in answer to your question, there's probably not one sort of thing you put your finger on, but I would probably just say you know, from a AFL point of view, you read article after article and everyone's doing, you know, 
PBs. But, you know, yeah. come round one, round two, when the pressure starts to, to hype is, is probably, um, you know, a different story. So probably keeping the stride a bit more, um, knowing, again, maybe maybe it's mental mental approach that those professionals could probably keep working on and, and, yeah. and getting the edge over their opposition. From a, probably an amateur point of view to, to more junior football, um, probably just getting the groove, um, groove back again. There's so many different, um, you know, pathways that, that kids are taking these days um, in terms of, the, the road they're on, they could be playing cricket all summer and then they've just turned to footy. There could be some kids that have identified footy from a young age and they've been doing it since sort of October, November and, and, and footy's everything. So um, yeah. there's so many kids at different levels at this time of year, but I'd say too just to be able to focus um, and and probably doing everything you can to, to, towards round one to get yourself right um, because now I think it's yeah. important. Forget what you've done. Sort of, uh, you know, to November, December. Let's let's really look at it now. And there is time. Being a junior football, I think there is time. I feel there probably isn't because of um, they probably leave you behind. Their training's that intense, and you probably need to be doing it a lot earlier on. But I think there is yep. time now to really switch into gear. There's not a lot of time because before you know it, it'll be round one. Um, but yep. really starting to switch into gear to build towards that um, round one. Yeah, and, and you mentioned multiple sport athletes, uh, obviously quite common in um, in junior footballers. And throughout your experiences as a as a development coach with the youth um, talent program, what are some of the um, what, what's some of your advice to someone playing multiple sports? Um, is there a, is there a point where it becomes um, we might have spoken about this before, but is there um, is, is there benefit in choosing one or do you encourage people to, to, to play both and, and, and if so, how do they juggle that? Um, how do they juggle both those commitments? Probably both uh, sports or you know, multiple sports while they're young until it gets to the pointy end, probably more 1 to 17, yep. over 18 um, is probably when you look to sort of make that call and then again, it'd be dependent on how that individual is looking. If they're looking to yep. sort of, you know, potentially be draft or whatever, then you're probably going to make the call. But if not, I don't think there's anything wrong with playing, you know, juggling those two sports again, it's just around workload and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, I'm a big, big, big believer of, um, you know, sort of, as I said at the start of the episode, mixing it up and I think you can get skills transferable from other sports um, into, obviously, yep. football. So it is important to sort of just find that balance. Yeah, for sure. And and how could they juggle that workload um, if they've got if they've got coaches from maybe, say their cricket team and coaches from their football team that want both uh, the, that want different things? What's your what's your sort of advice to the to the well, player? It's probably just balancing that sort of um, you know so if it's if there's three sessions a week and they can only get there twice, well that that's fine. Um, but again, th- yep. th- you got to just try and fit it in and, and not give them too much leeway that that's over you know sort of detracting from the team, um, you know sort of ethos. So. I think that's yep. really important there just to get that balance right and, and yeah you can i think we did with bailey scott um in his draft year at the academy yep. he played um yep. probably not in his draft year the year before that at 17 i think scotty was a pretty good cricketer and we allowed him we're training saturday mornings we allowed him to play cricket on a saturday and we knew we'd do the work we knew he was a good player and and, and we're sort of flexible in that sense so um yep. you know so there's an example of a, a player that then end up getting drafted and and end up giving yep. up cricket so it happens in the end that the individual make a call themselves and, that, and that's a good example as well of someone you just said then that that we you knew that he'd do the work. I mean, having having played with Scotty, he was always you know the first to arrive at training. He'd always put effort in. There was mm. there was no questions about his attitude toward training. So that if he did need to ask for a, for a session off to go to cricket training, you actually knew that that's what he was doing, and he'd make it up somewhere else because he'd proven that to you as a player previously. Whereas there might be other players where you'd be 
less um, willing to to put the trust in 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 a request like that. So, it, it, do you think it's important if you if you are in a situation like that to to really prove your, to the coaches that you are professional enough and 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 sort of earn a bit of trust that you'll take control of your own career? Yeah, I think so. Just the, obviously the trust element too. Um, again, it all depends on the individual where they're at with their with their footy. Um, you know, if they need yep. the extra work, you might be steering towards maybe putting more sessions. You know, around their schedule, whatever it is, and and, and put it if, if it's just an off off feet sort of session, but it's touch and skill, and that's why they need to work on. They can where again the example of Scotty is and you he was going to do the work and you he, he probably had a pretty good foundation with his skills, so it was more yep. so just topping him up um, when he needed to, and then obviously once the footy season rolled around, he knew he was you know all in. Yeah, absolutely. Now, mate, looking looking forward to the new year, we've um. As you know, here at One on One Football, we've been working hard to um, to, to enhance our our services and, and really provide um, expert resources for for our players and our coaches. Um, what have um, what have we what are the um, our community here at the at One on One Football got to look forward to in in twenty twenty two? What uh, what does the what does the year look like for the for the business? It's always exciting, mate. Again, we probably uh, we, we launched our coach on coach um, sort of service where it's coach mentoring where. <laughs> A more junior or community-based coach can hire one of our, um, you know, professional coaches on board the platform for an online um, mentor session. So we'll, we'll keep yep. sort of uh, drilling home that and, and pumping up that service. Um, obviously, more coaches are being added throughout Australia all the time with our, our core service and our one-on-one skills. But um, also, too, is just probably on the topic of uh, of access to extra um curricular educational things online um we're looking to launch a subscription-based membership um, which is really really exciting again i can't give too many details um yet but it's really really exciting um what we're about to launch and obviously you've played a huge um you know role in that mate um, do you want to explain a bit more sort of around that service yeah, like you said, we'll um, we'll try and keep some of it under wraps. But um, yeah, I guess it, it 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 aligns really well with what we've um, been speaking about today of, of of taking control of your own career and and really hunting down resources that might help for you. And what we sort of identified was that not everyone has the same solution, um, and that ties in really well with one on one football as well. We've got so many different coaches that if one coach doesn't work for you, you can choose another coach. But we wanted to expand that a little bit. So um, as you mentioned, we're um, bringing out a, a subscription service that's going to um, basically provide both players and coaches with um, a range of resources covering as many different topics as um, as as we can from um, um, from from both of our experiences. Obviously, your time in the AFL as um, as a player and then as a coach as well. I think um, the the players that work under yourself get really good access to your knowledge and your resources. Um, but um, but what we wanted to do is expand that a little bit more. So. Um, yeah, we're really excited, and um, stay tuned, everyone, for the next couple of weeks. We'll uh, we'll make sure that we announce it on the podcast and all our um, social media pipes as well. But um, yeah, we're really excited to to bring that one. Um, but also, Rainsy, in terms of connecting with a resource, a, a feature we've had up for a while is the virtual coaching um, for footballers. Did you want to um, talk about that one a little bit and, and how that can benefit yes. someone? So a lot of our, our coaches now can be um, accessed online for an online session, so a virtual coaching session again. Zoom's embedded into our system, so you, you pretty much just book um, how you would for a normal face-to-face session, but you choose online, and then the, um, the link to, to hook in online will be sent uh, once, obviously, the booking goes ahead. And, and th- this is perfect for, again, these questions, that these burning questions that some footballers or parents might even have, and they want to link in 
online for for a mentor session with with a coach just to talk about you know whether it's goals and objectives, whether it's drills, whether it's um, you know a series of questions they want to to want to ask them to actually even you know who knows they might be able to get the footy out and and, and do a bit of a virtual sort of session. So. Um, you know, that's a, a really, really good service we got and, and we're really proud of the way that um, it's been brought on um, into the system now, um, especially with, with what's, everything that's gone on in the world recently. Um, you know, yep. now having digital sort of access is really important for our coaches. Yeah, for sure. Some uh, some, some lockdown-proof services there and, um, and, and, and those resources are going to keep expanding as well. So um, a, a one-stop shop for, for, for players that are looking for development um, as we've we've both been um, in those situation where um, you might be highly motivated, but you, you're perhaps looking for some direction and some guidance around where to um, where to to put that energy. And obviously, the podcast is part of that. We, we talk about um, always learning and always developing and always upskilling. Um, and podcasts are a great way to, uh, to to do that in your free time without um, without sort of disrupting your life. Um, We've got some excellent guests lined up for, for 2022. Obviously, this is our um, first episode, but we've got some really exciting ones in store. Um, Rainsy, is there um, are there any experts that um, that we can release at this point oh, for uh, for the podcast? Yeah, we've got an exciting one coming up um, the next week or two. We've uh, played in uh, in three premierships of the Brisbane Lions, um, and he used to do handstands. So. Um, I don't know if I've given away too much there, but uh, yeah, he'll be coming on board. So looking forward to discussing uh, discussing all things with that great man. Yeah, for sure. Another Brownlow medalist. We've uh, we've had a couple now, and um and and to the to the listeners, guys, if 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 there's a particular topic or a guest that um you'd like us to cover here on the podcast, um please reach out. We we want to make sure that we're um we're providing the type of content that um that that you guys are after. So um our email address is down in the show notes. Um don't be afraid to flick us an email. We 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 love feedback at the very least. Um but yeah, if you have a topic or a guest that you think um would uh, would be beneficial and have some information to share please uh please reach out renzi any uh, any final words before we go mate no just in a nutshell i think that was a, a really good uh, discussion mate um led obviously by yourself with some really good questions that do get brought up a fair bit um and i think in in essence or sort of um summarizing everything is is getting that professional help and if you've got any questions being able to reach out and 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 make sure you're on the right path because, again, uh, years are limited in terms of um, you know trying to be able to get to, to the AFL or, or give yourself the best chance to get drafted. It does creep up really quickly, and you want to be doing the right thing. So, getting that expert ex- advice, whether it's um, you know your running, your skills, um, your recovery, and your nutrition, whatever it is, um, to be able to make sure you you're on the right track. Absolute gold, as always, Randy. Thanks for joining us on the first episode of 2022. Thanks, mate. Great to be back. Thanks for listening to the one-on-one football podcast. If you got something out of today's episode, we'd love it if you could leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to stay updated on special guests, new episodes, and more, please subscribe to the show on your chosen platform. And finally, if you have any questions for Rainsy or myself, or you want to get a particular guest on the show, please reach out. Our email address is podcast at one-on-onefootball.com.au. Thanks, guys. We'll see you for the next episode.